Hallelujah. I have one verse of scripture today and I'm going to read it. You know, I, I really feel like today's message is going to be something that you take home with you. You know, uh, if the word of God doesn't change us and we just hear it and we go about our, our business and it doesn't truly affect us, uh, it, is, it is not doing its intended purpose in our lives. So today I want to preach something that's actionable. I want to preach something you need to take home with you and you need to live out. In fact, at the end of the service, they've got some cards that are going to be distributed that I want you to take with you. And this is my title today. Victory looks like colon blank. I think it's on the screen, maybe. Can be, possibly. <laughs> if they'll wake up back there. Victory looks like blank. Everybody in this house today, your victory looks different than someone else's victory. You know, we are, everybody here, well, I'm going to let you sit down in a minute, but I'm going to be standing for the next little while, so it's not going to hurt you too much to stand for a minute. But I want to tell you, every person in this house, your victory looks different than the person next to you. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have victory. I believe it's the will of God for every person in this house to have victory in their lives. So with that, let's read Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You may be seated. I started off by telling you, there we go. I started off by telling you today that every person should have victory in their life. Every person. Everybody say every person. Say, that's me. Point to yourself and say, that's me. Every person in this house should have victory. But you see, we're all at different places in God. Some of us in this room today, we just got baptized like River. Some of us have been here a few weeks or even a few months. And then there are those here today that you were born in this. Your parents brought you here. This may have been your first place to come as an infant into the house of the Lord. And you've been raised here. Maybe you're second generation or third or fourth or fifth generation Pentecostal. Or maybe here you uh, received the Holy Ghost some five, ten years ago. Or, or maybe even today, and I know there are, there are some here that's had the Holy Ghost 50 years and upwards. So because we're all at different places, and that's the reason why we don't compare ourselves among ourselves, and the Apostle Paul instructed us not to do that. You can't look around at one another to see how you are doing. 
The only mirror that you will ever have in your life is this good book. This is the book. This is the mirror. This is the only standard that you can use to judge whether you are doing what God wants you to do. This book is the litmus test. This book is the gold standard. This book is the bar. This book is the mirror. And from this book, you see yourself and you see what needs to change and you see what you need to work on and you see where you are. You can't look around you to find that. You've got to look within the pages of the Bible. And because we're all at different places and some of us are starting out our Christian journey while others are coming to the end of their Christian journey, victory will be unique and victory will look differently and victory will be something different in every person's life. To the person who has just started his or her Christian journey, it may just be going one day without a cigarette. Oh, I'm going to preach today. I didn't lose sleep over, uh, over the last couple of days not to come here and give you everything I've got. I'm going to preach with everything I have today. <clears throat> hey, this is my favorite time of the day. To get to be in this sanctuary with all of you wonderful people. But victory looks like one day without a cigarette for some people. And victory looks like one day without a temper tantrum for others. And victory looks like one day without thinking lustful thoughts to another. And victory looks like pushing fear out of your mind one more day. And victory looks like overcoming the habits that you have formed that are unhealthy and that are contrary to the word of God. Victory looks different for every person in this room. But let me tell you, regardless of what it may look like, it is something every person should experience every single day. You should have victory in your life. And if you're living a defeated life, oh, I see Brother Jamie Birch back there standing, clapping his hands. I walked in this sanctuary last night. He was walking among these pews, praying for his wayward daughter. That's what victory looks like. I said, that's what victory looks like right there. Let me tell you what victory looks like. It looks like you lifting your hands, opening your mouth and praising God. It looks like somebody clapping their hands, someone stomping their feet, somebody singing aloud. Victory looks different on every person. And while it may look different, it's important, it's essential that every person has victory in your life. So today, I can't, I could spend all day filling in this blank. We could go through, we could talk about depression, we could talk about fear, anxiety, 
worry. We could talk about jealousy, relationship issues. Oh, my goodness. We could spend all of our time filling, filling in this blank of what victory looks like. But I'm going to tell you, I feel in the Holy Ghost today. And I may sound like a broken record, but until God stops dealing with me about this, I'm going to keep on preaching it to this church. Let me tell you the key today. <clears throat> the key today is the verse I read in your hearing. If we live, everybody say live. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If His Christ Spirit is in you, it will help you to walk in the Spirit. Now today, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time. I'm not going to be long. I know that service has uh, gone on a little longer, the preliminaries, but I want to expound on Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible here today, I want you to get it out and turn to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, get your phone out. Don't text. Don't shop. Don't eBay, Amazon. Don't tweet, post, story. Just open up your Bible app. And let's look at Galatians chapter 5. Verse number one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again. When you look at that entangled, it means submitted to or subjected to again. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't be subjected again. Now this is written to people that's already been baptized in Jesus' name, already have the Holy Ghost in them, already living a repented life. And Paul is saying, don't become subjected again to the yoke of bondage or the burdensome nature of sin. Don't allow sin to chain you back up. Don't allow sin to overcome you with its bondage. Verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised. Now this is an issue in the first century church. The Jews who were circumcised believed that the Gentiles should also be circumcised. And there was a great uh, tumult about this in, in that early church. And so Paul is addressing this issue. He says, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now, one translation says it like this, Christ will be of no benefit to you at all. Verse 3, we're going to look at, we're going to expound on that here in just a second. Verse 3, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. In other words, the law was seen as one single unit. It was one piece. It was one thing. It was the whole law. And obedience could not be selective. It wasn't a buffet where you pick and choose what you like from the Mosaic law. 
In fact, James says in James 2 and 10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has begun, become guilty of all of it. So Paul is saying the reason circumcision as under the Mosaic law is not important is because it's only one part of the Mosaic law that you're picking out, that you're choosing. And he says, if that's the way you handle it, and if that is the way you look at the Mosaic law, you're understanding that, that you must be a, you must fulfill or carry out all the law. And we know from Jesus' words, and we know from the apostles' words, that it was absolutely impossible to keep all of the law all of the time. And so Paul says in verse five, four, Christ is become of no effect. Now this is a word play on this idea of circumcision. He is saying Christ is become severed unto you. He is become alienated from you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. So if you are good enough to keep all of the law, that means you've fallen from believing that Christ is the only thing that can set you free and keep you free. So what Paul is speaking about in, this, in this, uh, these two verses here is that if you depend on the law, you can't depend on Christ. So I don't know about you, but I, I think I can, I can gather from this audience today that we all know we need Christ working in us. We need his spirit. We cannot live this life without him helping us. Can I get a witness from anybody? Verse number five. For we through the spirit wait. We eager, eagerly wait. We wait expectantly for the hope of righteousness. Now, this idea of the hope of righteousness is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, when Paul also is talking about the corruptible putting on the incorruption and, and, and the mortal putting on immortality. He says, for we through the Spirit wait we're patiently waiting yet eager and expectant for the hope of righteousness by faith. We are waiting, we're anticipating the day when our mortal will put on immortality. Verse number six, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything. It is disregarded, it is unnecessary, nor uncircumcision. So the issue that they were trying to bring up in the church and cause dissension and cause strife and cause confusion among Gentiles and Jews is really not important. The important thing, the chief important thing is, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. Verse seven, he says, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? What a question for all of us in this room today. If you're struggling with victory, if you're living in defeat today, if you're living on the sidelines and not where you need to be, if you've been knocked down out, 
if you've, knocked, if you've been knocked out of the race today, who, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Verse 8, this persuasion or this error cometh not of him that calleth you. It didn't come from one of the apostles. It did not come from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Here, leaven is used in that negative connotation. I preached it on the very first day of January. It's used to describe sin. It's used to describe false teaching. And he says, a little false teaching will leaven or it'll permeate It'll cover, consume the whole lump. A little sin in your life will consume your entire person. Verse 10, I have confidence or I am confident in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, that you will accept no other view. But he that troubleth you stir you up. He's trying to impose the Mosaic law on you. He that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Now, I want you to understand here today that in verse 7, verse 8, and verse 10, there are three words that all come from the root word in the Greek. That word obey, that word persuasion, and that word confidence are all tied together. And what Paul is, he's speaking at something deep within this, the context of this chapter on Galatians chapter five. He is saying something very unique to the church. He is speaking to them, he is telling them that there is only one truth, there is only one way, there is only one right way to see and to do and to live. And he is confident that they will do the right thing when they realize, when the when the preacher begins to preach and when the pastor begins to expound on the word of God, Paul says, I am confident in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. I am confident that when you hear the word of God preached, that you will accept no other view than what has been preached and what has been given to you from the word of the Lord. Verse 11, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? This is a rhetorical question by Paul. He says, they wouldn't be persecuting me if I was still preaching the Mosaic law. They wouldn't be trying to kill me. They wouldn't be trying to stone me and run me out of town if I was still preaching the law. Then is the offense of the cross ceased. He's saying the preaching of Christ crucified is that important part that I am preaching. That is the thing that is causing the persecution to my being. Because I preach Christ crucified or that I preach that you can only be saved through the sacrifice of Christ or through grace, it is an offense to one's pride. I wanna tell you today that God wants us to live holy. It is a part of who we should be. It is a product of having the spirit inside of us. But don't ever confuse self-righteousness for the righteousness of God. Don't ever think 
Don't ever think, don't ever become puffed up. Don't ever become conceited in your mind or your thinking to think you can figure it all out. You can do it all. You've got it all covered. Don't ever get confused to think that that's the way it is to live for God. Always remember, oh, I feel like preaching to somebody in this house. Always remember it's because Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. It's because Jesus was willing to go to the cross that we can live free. the only way and it's an offense to our pride because we think we can do it on our own we think we're good enough on our own we think we got enough smarts and our personality and our charisma and our our all of the stuff we got we can get through but I want to tell you if you're going to have victory in your life if you're going to have victory oh hallelujah you must understand that victory is going to come through the preaching of the cross, crucifying one's flesh. Verse number 12, I would then, they were even cut off, emasculated, which trouble you. Verse 13, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. You've been called to freedom. Only use not liberty or freedom for an occasion to the flesh. In other words, Paul is saying, do not use the freedom you have from the Mosaic law to indulge your flesh. Over and over in Romans, the Apostle Paul says, God forbid, God forbid. Brothers and sisters, because we're living under grace, because we have freedom from the law, does not mean that we live how we wanna live. It doesn't mean, oh, I wanna preach to you today. We, can't, we cannot unhook James's writings from the Apostle Paul's writings. It's still, we still know that we are saved by our works. And so he says, for an occasion to the flesh, do not indulge the flesh. Now I want you to understand today that this is one of the greatest Christian principles you'll ever learn. You cannot allow your liberty, your freedom, to become a license to sin. This is one of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn. I'm talking about what victory looks like in our lives. But by love, serve one another. That word love is agape. It's the only kind of love that, that can come from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is saying that you have not been give, given freedom to just live any old way that you want to live, but you've been given freedom to show the love of Christ. And when you have the love of Christ in you, it will cause you to want to serve and love and appreciate one another. Verse number 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All the law can be summed up. It can be synthesized. It, it, can, be, it can be made uh, so, uh, so that in one statement, all the law can be fulfilled. And it comes from Le Leviticus 19 and 18. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself.
Verse 15, but if you bite or if you harm and devour, exploit one another, take heed that you be not consumed, that you be not destroyed one of another. Now I want you to listen to verse 16. I want you to get it. I want you to, I want you to get it in your spirit today. This I say then, Paul says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want us to read that together. Can we do it? Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk or live, habitate in the spirit and ye shall not gratify. You will not carry out the desires and that word lust has a sexual connotation. You will not carry out the desires of your flesh. You see, the sinful nature is received at birth. It's never eradicated in this life. But I am happy to tell you today that it can be controlled by the Spirit. That's the reason I will tell you today and every day that this is a war that lasts from birth to death. You never get finished with this war. It's all there. Now there'll be individual battles throughout that you win, but you will always wrestle with your flesh. There will always be a tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. But Paul gives us the hope. Paul gives us the answer. Paul helps us to understand what victory looks like. Victory will look in your life like someone who is walking in the Spirit. Oh, everybody needs to clap their hands today. This is the key of the entire chapter 5 of Galatians. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You need to take every step of this Christian life in dependence on the Spirit. And listen to this, to have victory over the flesh and its works. The only way you can really have victory in your life is to have the Spirit of God actively working within you. Here's the war in verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against or is opposed to the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They're on, on two different sides. They're waging war. And these are contrary. They're hostile, the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Paul is speaking, and he he's, he's also talks about it in Romans chapter 7, verses 13 through 25. He is talking about that war that is going on, that struggle between the flesh and the spirit. He is saying that they are diabolically opposed to one another. They are in in contrary opposition against one another. But here's the, here's the hope in verse number 18. But, everybody say but. But, 
if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. There is hope, there is victory, there is an answer, there is a winning side to this constant struggle between the flesh and the Spirit. And I'm gonna tell you how to get the victory. I'm gonna tell you how to be an overcomer. It's to be led by the Spirit. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest. They're evident, they're obvious. This has an overtone of being unashamed or, or blatant. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. I want to give this list in, a, in the net translation, a modern translation, because it helps us understand what Paul is saying. He has two lists in this chapter. He has the flesh, the works of the flesh, and the works of the Spirit we're going to talk about. He says, now the works are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, depravity, idolatry, sorcery, hostilities. This, this entails every issue that we face in our world, even to this very day. Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish rivalries, dissensions, factions, envying, murder, drunkenness, carousing, and similar things of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that ye, that they which do such things, those that do things even like this that I didn't mention, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Here it is again, that conjunction again, but verse 22, and this is the, this is the verse in fact, verse 22, verse 23, these verses, they're plastered on, on artwork that go, you can go to Hobby Lobby and I'm sure you can find some artwork for your walls that have these words mentioned on them and, and people write them in fancy script and, and some people even may wear them on their clothes. But today, it's got to be more than wall art, and it's got to be more than something you wear. It's got to be something within you if you want victory. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I was studying and praying, and it just hit me. I thought, what does, what does fruit here mean? What does fruit in this sense mean? Does it mean the product of the Spirit? And, and so I started digging. I started searching. I started looking at the original language. And I found that the word used in this passage literally has a meaning of action. Paul is saying the action of the Spirit. I want everybody to say that together with me. Action of the Spirit. Let's do it one more time. Action of the Spirit. The action of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I love this 
the way the net puts it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now there's another way that it can be punctuated here. You can look at it like this. You can have the word love, you can put a colon, and then you put joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, you can read all of those eight characteristics as coming from love and love in that place is the love that only God can give us and the love that we can only experience through Christ. And so the apostle Paul is saying the action of the spirit is first love. And when you have love, you have joy, you have peace, you have patience, you have kindness, you have goodness, you have faithfulness, you have gentleness and self-control. Now I want you to understand today, and I'm almost finished, but I want you to understand that all of these things, these actions of the Spirit originate in Christ. And each part of the action of the Spirit or fruit of the Spirit addresses specific things in our lives. So, so I want you to understand today that, that when the Spirit of God is working within you, when it's operating in you, it will activate something in you that will answer all the issues, that will help you overcome all the things that Paul talks about in verses 19 through 21, like idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, on and on, outbursts of anger and drunkenness and carousing and all these similar things. Paul is saying that when you have the Spirit working within you, it activates something in you that helps you overcome all of those things that are common to man. All of those things that everybody in this room has to deal with. I wonder if I could get anybody to be honest with me today. Has anybody ever had to deal with one of these things mentioned in Paul's writings? Yeah, every hand should be up. If you're living, breathing, you've dealt with one of these. And what Paul is telling us now I'm almost finished. This is it. Come to the music. I'm almost finished. The only way you can answer this, the only way you can fill in this blank is that the Spirit is working on the inside of you. And when the Spirit is activated on the inside of you, it will, it will counter. Love will counter hatred. Joy will counter Depression. Oh, God, help me today. Peace will counter anxiety. What does victory look like in your life? Kindness and, or patience will counter irritability and, 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 and anxiety and, and, and the idea that I can't wait and I've got to have it now. Instant gratification. What will happen if the Spirit is activated in your life? It will put something in you that helps you to learn patience and kindness and goodness. And in a world where people are not faithful, in a world where husbands aren't faithful to their wives and wives aren't faithful to their husbands, in a world where people change 
from one occupation to another like they change their socks in a world where people church hop all over to find the church that best suits their desires and wants and and needs in a world that lacks faithfulness when the spirit is activated within you it helps you to become faithful it overrides your old nature that can't be faithful with faithfulness And the biggest one of all, self-control. Everybody say self-control. King James says temperance. Self-control. He said we need to be temperate in all things. All things. We need to be self-controlled in all things. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this is the most difficult part. And this is what we need help with more than anything is self-control. In a world of indulgence, in a world where all you have to do is click one button and get anything you want. In a world where you can just have whatever you want. Now, you don't even have to go get it. They'll bring it to you. In a world that is filled with overindulgence, we need self-control. And the only way you can fill in this blank is by having these characteristics activated in your life. Stand with me today. Hey, I'm not here just to preach a warm, fuzzy message. I'm not here today just to quote from Churchill, although I love it. (laughs) Man, maybe Churchill, maybe he got the Holy Ghost. I sure hope he did. Baptized in Jesus' name. <laughs> he sure had some good things to say. I'm going to tell you something. The only way you can have victory, the only way you can fill in this blank, is to have the Spirit of God working in you. The only way is for that, those things, those characteristics those actions of the Spirit to take place and work and operate in and you. And when you feel like biting someone's head off, you bite your tongue instead. And when, and when your fellow church member gets a new car, You don't ignore it. You don't try to get ahead of him going out the parking lot. Hey, can we thank God for the North Little Rock Police Department that's making this light stay for us? That didn't just happen by accident. I told Sister Georgia, we were in staff meeting, I said, hey, there's no reason they can't make that light stay green longer. Thank you. NLRPD, we appreciate it. (laughs) But when someone gets blessed, when they get a new car, when they get something that maybe we don't have, we don't immediately turn to our base nature, jealous or, or some back slapped comment, backhanded comment, but we rejoice with them. 
The only way you're going to get free from addiction, and I fill in the Holy Ghost. Hey, I know there are people in this room today, you're battling. You're, you're, the Lord, is, He's shown me. He's shown me that there are people in this room, you're battling. People do not know. Your own spouse doesn't know what you're battling. It's not God's will for you to stay secret and cover it up and hide it and just try to kind of live with it. It's God's will for you to have victory. Victory looks like getting rid of the app on your phone that causes you to look at pornography. Victory looks like setting up accountability in your life to help you. Let me tell you, I, I want to just say this right now. There shouldn't be one person in this room that has an account of some online social media if you're married that your spouse doesn't have those passwords. And if you have a problem with that, you don't have the victory. If your wife doesn't know the code to your phone, there is no way you have victory. Oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Hey, I, if there's anything God has put in my spirit over the last few months, it's that God, I want there to be victory in every person's life. And not just the people that come down the front every service, but the people that don't come down the front. There can be victory in every single person's life. And I'm trying to show you today, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It may, be, it may seem insignificant to someone else. It may seem little to someone. It may be something you got the victory over years ago, and you can't imagine anybody struggling with that. It may be something like that, or it may be something that is so horrendous, so embarrassing, you wouldn't want anyone to know about. Whatever it is, whether it be small or great, it is the will of God for you to have victory, to live above sin. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Hey, I just want to encourage you today. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, whatever the issue is in your life, Whatever the problem, whatever the sin is, I don't want us to get away from calling it sin. It's not just a weakness. It's sin. Oh yeah, it's sin. Everybody say sin. We're not going to stop preaching about sin. It's sin. But whatever it is in your life, I want to tell you, God wants to give you victory. He wants to help you overcome. But the only way that can happen 
is that you live in the Spirit. I spent a whole month in 2021 preaching about the Duma. I don't have time today to go back through it. But I just want to tell you, when you allow the Spirit of God to work in you and activate in you, it will give you the ability and the power to overcome to overcome every and any obstacle you face. I want us right now, I want everybody in this house to, to make a move. I'm not asking everybody to come to the front. I'm just asking you to take a step forward. Get out of your pew, whatever you got to do. Come on, balcony. I want you to participate too. I'm glad you're up there. I love you. You're an integral part of this church. I want everybody just take a step. And here's what I want you to do. This is what last night while I was praying, this is what I was thinking about. I don't have any idea what you're going to use to fill in this blank with. I don't know the word you're going to use or the thing you're going to say. Only you and God know that. Now there's times God reveals it to me. But you know exactly what needs to be in that blank. And they're going to have those cards. I want you to take one on your way out. But right now, this is what I want you to do. This is what I felt in the Holy Ghost while I was praying last night. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to fill in that blank mentally in your mind. And I want you to start praying and asking God to give you the power and the strength. I want you to start asking God to allow the Holy Ghost to give you inspiration, give you strength, give you power, give you the ability to do whatever victory looks like in your life. I, I'm not asking you to, to make a list, because we could, we could, all of us, we've got more than one thing that can fill this blank, but the one thing, the main thing that you know that you're dealing with in your life, I want you to close your eyes, I want you to begin to pray, I want you to fill in that blank, and then I want you to ask God to help you, help you see that thing come to fruition in your life. Come on, right now. I want everybody in the house to participate. Come on, whether you're a member here or a guest here today, this is for everybody in this house. Come on, right now, in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, once you have it filled out in your head, I want you to start praying. I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, right now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Church, I want you to lift your hands, lift your voice. 
Come on, begin praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, don't look around. Don't look at me. Come on. Come on, I want you to pray. Close your eyes. Come on. Come on. God, I'm asking you, endue your people with power. Let your spirit move. Let your spirit work. God, let your spirit work. Touch your people. Touch your people. It's your will for them to be victorious. It's your will for them to be overcomers. It's your will for them to live above sin. It's your will for them to live a condemnation-free life. It's your will, God, for them to be victorious. Give them the power. Give them the knowledge. Open your scriptures to them, God. Reveal to them a plan of action. God, don't let them just fill in the blank. Now, God, let them do the hard work of taking and doing whatever it is, God. Oh, help us. Holy Ghost, help us. Spirit of God, help us. Help us. Help us, oh God. Help every young man, help every young woman. Help every married couple. Help every single adult. Help every elder of this church. Oh, God, every person under the sound of my voice. Give them victory in their life. Give them victory in their life. Give them victory, God. Hey, I want to tell you, it's the small victories that matter the most. Because you know what they indicate? They indicate the daily living. It's just that one day, one day, one more day free, one more day without, one more day doing some things we got and we need to do. Like pray, fast, read our Bible, come to church. There's a whole lot of stuff we need to do without. A lot of stuff we need to lay down, get rid of the clutter in our lives. And I believe God's going to give us the ability and the power to do it through His Spirit. I want to tell you something. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. You're going to be blessed. God's going to bless you. He's going to bless you with promotions. He's going to bless you with, with, with wealth. He, because you're going to use it for the kingdom of God. He's going to bless you with, with peace. He's going to bless you with, with relationships that are healthy, that are strong, that are vibrant. He's going to, all of those things will happen if you get this right today. If you get victory over what you're dealing with and you start overcoming and living an overcoming life every day, every step, I promise you the blessings will come. But what happens is we get out of balance and we get the cart before the horse and we think we want the blessing, but we're not living the life that God wants us to live. 
if you're not being blessed, if you're dealing with hardships and problems and, and your life is spinning out of control and everything's blowing up in your face and you continually are, are, are falling and, and everything is wrong and you can't sleep and you've got anxiety and all this junk, let me tell you why. Because you're not living in victory. But you start living in victory and God will start sending the blessings and the peace and the love and, and all the good stuff that we want. What do you say, church? Let's live in the Spirit. Let's habitate in the Spirit. Oh, this old world is trying its best. You know what's crazy? It's not Hollywood. I mean, I know Hollywood's still an issue and there's people that deal with that, but I want to tell you, it's all this political junk. It's robbing us of our peace. Oh, God. It's all this stuff. You need, to, you need to take an inventory of your life, what you're dealing with. And if, you've got, if you're lacking peace, there's something you've got a hold of you need to let go of. If you're constantly dealing with the lust of the flesh, unrighteous desires, and that's something you just continually there's something you're allowing in your life that you need to let it, you need to get out of it. Get it out. Let go of it. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm preaching today. I know it's Sunday morning. This is usually stuff we do on Tuesday night. But you know what? I just got to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. Preach to you what I feel. On your way out today, on your way out today, I want you to pick up one of those cards this afternoon. I want you to write something in that blank. I want you to put it in your Bible, put it somewhere special. And I want you to begin praying. God helps you to see what victory looks like in your life. It's for every person in this room. I said it's for every person in this room. are more than conquerors. Somebody shout more than conquerors. More than a conqueror. We are victors. We are victorious. I want you to turn to someone and tell them, say victory looks good on you. God bless you.